0: Welcome to the Read Along,
1: a mini book club for your ears. A proud
0: member of the Alberta Podcast Network,
1: powered by ATB.
0: I'm your host, Scott. I'm
1: your other host, Anita.
0: And join us on a journey through a good book, one chapter chapter at a time. time. This episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them direct to your inbox. You can get one or two for free if you want more. Become a Taproot member, then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. You can get informed right now at taprootedmonton.ca. So chapter 14 of our novel took us both on a a brief journey of (laughs) self-exploration...
1: Enlightenment, if you will.
0: ...as Mahit grappled with the decision on whether to seek out dangerous neurosurgery in a realm where neurosurgery is literally against the law. And then off we went to meet with (laughs) Tenpearl.
1: Who confessed everything... And nothing. And nothing.
0: At the same time. (laughs) So helpful. (laughs) Indeed. And then over lunch, Mahit and Three Seagrass hit upon a plan of rewenge. But,
1: (laughs) sort of,
0: but it will have to wait because the neurosurgeon awaits as we transition into chapter 15 of A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martine. (laughs) Flavor text.
1: (laughs) Uh, Once again, flavor like crazy.
0: Yeah, some very troubling flavor text right off the top.
1: Out the wazoo.
0: Actually, I thought the flavor text was pretty brief and straightforward this time.
1: It was, but oh, there's so much to read into it. The the ly flavor text is just vague enough to cause a whole bunch of
0: questions. Oh, no, I don't think it's vague at all. Uh, it's pretty clearly One Lightning taking the Imperial flagship and going rogue. Yes. And turning around and coming back to Texcalon airspace. So there is a warship, at least one warship currently hovering over the planet with guns aimed at the planet.
1: Well, you don't know where the guns are aimed.
0: I would presume at the planet.
1: It's true. But it raises for me so many questions. The biggest one being, why? Well,
0: I think One Lightning, in his uh, first public appearance in this novel, uh, <laughs> made it pretty clear what his motivation was. Yes. Th- he, he is accusing 30 Larkspur of attempting to usurp the throne using immoral technology, yes, and he intends to save the people from this heretical blue blood.
1: And he's doing that by blowing... entering their airspace at ramming speed?
0: And blowing up the populace. That's usually how it works, isn't it?
1: I have no idea. I don't know what he's trying to prove. I don't know what his plan is. He's attempting... I don't actually know what's going on. I only know what his ship... Has done slash is doing. Yeah,
0: he he's taken a very powerful and very big warship, and he's turned it around and parked it over the capital. I think his intentions are pretty clear. He's enacting a military coup.
1: Yes, but in true text-colon fashion, what does it mean?
0: <laughs> well, the other piece of flavor text is also pretty straightforward. It's a record of... Onchu, counselor Onshu, back on Elsol Station, looking up the history of Yaskander's Imago. Yeah,
1: basically making a, a database query.
0: Yeah, and determining that Amnard Bat did indeed access it, presumably without explanation.
1: Yeah, because there's a whole bunch of uh, like medical access.
0: And then Amnard Bat just and accesses just right it in the for middle. some reason.
1: <laughs> Amnard Bat, and then more medical access. Yeah,
0: and so that's Kinda probably stands out. That's likely what tripped off onchu's warning signals that maybe Amnard Bat had done something to Yaskander, mm-hmm. Someone who it is known that she hated.
1: Yes. So the overall theme of our flavor text this chapter is uh, people doing what they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And uh, getting not getting caught doing it, but other people being like, hey, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing.
0: <laughs> Speaking of doing things we shouldn't be doing, Mahit and Three Seagrass... Begin heading for the subway.
1: Oh yes. Adventures in crossing the city again.
0: Yeah, they uh they're leaving basically right from lunch and they're gonna be meeting up with Twelve Azalea at the Grand Central Station of the Palace. Yes. To head out to this far flung burb in the ecumenopolis where Twelve Azalea has lined up an illegal neurosurgeon to do this surgery.
1: Black market brain surgery, if you will. Yeah. Well, actually they leave the palace to go to the train station. Because uh, there's that bit about how they have to get past the sunlit again. Yeah. And it makes Mahit very nervous.
0: Yeah. Um, she also gets the sense that the the sunlit are keeping an eye on them. And she again gets the sense that the mists are on their tail. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird sensation for her where it's like everyone is watching them, but nobody's actually doing anything about it.
1: Right? They're just being stared at a lot.
0: Yeah. Like, nobody's stopping them from doing what they're doing, but everybody seems real interested in what they're doing.
1: Yeah, in what they're doing. And it's just a little um, disconcerting.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the mists obviously answer directly to Eight Loop. We don't know who the Sunlit are currently working for. No. Other than the city algorithm. but Not,
1: Not yet, anyway. But the
0: city algorithm presumably has been suborned by someone. So, again, we... We know that people are watching them, but we don't know why or who.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it just it just makes everything a little uncomfortable cuz they have to be just a little extra sneaky. Yeah. Cuz well, we know the mists aren't actually after Mahit and three seagrass. Well,
0: we did not know that, but we surmised that might be the case last Sorry, chapter. We
1: know that now. We definitely read know this that chapter. now.
0: Yeah. Um, Because last chapter, we had suggested that the reason why the mists were maybe tailing them after they left Twelve Azaleas was because they were actually sniffing around Twelve Azalea. He did steal from the judiciary.
1: Uh, Legal gray area. Have we not decided that? Even so. Even so.
0: And that is, as you say, straight up confirmed in this chapter. When they arrive at Grand Central Station... The mist is everywhere. The there is mist in Grand Central Station. <laughs> it is thick with mist.
1: It is it is foggy with mist.
0: And uh that pretty much confirms that they're actually on the lookout for 12 Azalea, who is immediately nowhere in sight of and not where they were originally going to meet him. No.
1: But in sight where they have spotted him uh dressed as conspicuously as possible apparently. Yeah.
0: He's not good at this clandestine skulking thing and he is dressed <laughs> like a pink flamingo.
1: Espionage, not his strong suit. Uh
0: Mahid also gets the sense during all the skulking around in the train station of being in like a spy novel. Right? And she kind of is. <laughs> yes. I mean l- she literally is meta textually in a spy novel. <laughs> right,
1: don't don't get all meta, you'll burk your brain.
0: Uh but uh it's also amusing that three seagrass is like really on on point when it comes to being involved in spy work right. like her coat turns inside out into a different color she instinctively changes her hair yep. to blend in she's walking all nonchalant and 12 azalea meantime is flouncing about like a pink <laughs> flamingo drawing tons <laughs> to of fair, attention to himself
1: to be fair he does hide behind Mahit because she is much taller than him
0: yeah it's actually a sound plan Mahit is head and shoulders taller than anybody else
1: yeah absolutely well, any
0: regular Tex Kalonlitz limb on the yeah, planet she stands out And so they actually use her as cover because anybody who's. Quite literally. Yeah. Like, because she's going to draw anyone's eye and they're going to miss 12 Azalea walking basically right beside her in theory. And it mostly works.
1: Yeah. Well, also, they separated, which was very smart, right? So three seagrass runs to go get the tickets. Yeah. And Mahit's like, all right, well, I'm just going to cover you and we're going to get on the train and everything's fine. Nothing to see here.
0: Uh, Twelve Azalea does confirm that um, the mists are much more interested in him today than they were the previous day. Yes. That he was tailed by them. Because he was originally followed by a mist, apparently.
1: (laughs) And now he's being followed by several mists. By, like,
0: all of the mists.
1: Mists? 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 The mists. Mists.
0: Um, And he does note that they're also not making a move on him. So, again, they're interested in him, but they haven't made a move yet. Right. And... That means that they're they're watching him to see what he does, and Mahit intuits his immediate concern here, which is that if they follow them to the neurosurgeon, the plan is over.
1: Yeah, the jig is up.
0: Like the the mists will stop that from happening, mm-hmm. and then again, Mahit is denied the information that she needs in order to act. Right, which is what so far in this novel, every step of the way, people have been trying to prevent her from getting the information she needs <laughs> to act. Nineteen Ads was doing that. Uh, Eight loop is doing that. Ten pearl is doing that. It seems like everyone is just trying to prevent her from getting the vital information she needs to to do what she yeah, needs to, to do, do
1: her job, and actually get something done. Um, I really appreciated her resolve. That yeah, the mists will she they'll definitely catch them all getting on the train, but she was going to be absolutely certain that they had no idea where they were getting off.
0: They'll yeah. know that they were on train B, but they don't know. Which of the 20 stops. Yeah, which
1: of the umpteen stops there would be in between, so they don't know where they're getting off. And this is the part that that struck me as very interesting. Uh, Three Seagrass sort of gave them the slip, kind of, right? She Mm -hmm. gets on the train. The Mist do not get on the train, which says something about their jurisdiction. They can't just get on the train. They didn't have tickets. This
0: this raised an interesting point for me. And I don't, I don't think it's an intentional mistake. I think that it's a, a clue, but I don't know what it's a clue about.
1: That the mists weren't allowed on the train.
0: Follow the the train of events here for a second with me. Mahit and Three Seagrass uh, split up. Three Seagrass goes to get the tickets for them to get on the train, while Mahit and Twelve Azalea move off over by the train so that they can be there to meet up with Three Seagrass. They get spotted out Mm -hmm. shortly before Three Seagrass joins up with them, and they see some mists converging on them. Obviously, the mists have decided to make their move now, and Mahit decides, nope, we're not talking to them, we're not being taken into custody, we're getting on the train right now. And she grabs Twelve Azalea. she runs on the train, which the door Iris is open for them, and Iris is closed behind them, and then... The train starts to move, and Three Seagrass catches up to them, having also just caught the train before it took off, and was like, whew, well, we we evaded the mists. They couldn't get on the train because they didn't have tickets.
1: Even though Mahita and Twelve Azalea just got on the train without tickets? Yeah,
0: Three Seagrass gives them their tickets on the train. So, why couldn't the mists get on the train? Or, perhaps more importantly, why could Twelve Azalea and Mahit get on the train? A train that is run, might I add, by the city algorithm. It was designed to run the train. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. Something
1: about the trains running on time.
0: There's There may be something going on there. I I picked up on it uh, because it seemed weird to me that the mists couldn't get on the train without a ticket, but Mahit and 12 Azalea could.
1: Are you suggesting that perhaps 3 Seagrass is in cahoots with the mist?
0: I'm suggesting that 3 Seagrass might not be trustworthy. Which we...
1: You've been saying that for several chapters now. I've
0: only been saying that for one chapter Mm. prior. I'm just saying that that the sequence of events, and it's easy to miss because things happen real fast, but the sequence of events is such that two people got on the train without tickets and then we were told that two people couldn't get on the train because they didn't have tickets. So, and it, again, in the heat of the moment, Mahit doesn't pick up on it, so it's not really focused on. And 12 Azalea doesn't pick up on it, so it's not really focused on.
1: It's... Plausible that Three Seagrass purchased the tickets via her cloud hook, which had uh, like identity information attached to it. Which
0: might have gotten 12 Azalea on the train.
1: Yeah, and Mahit. But
0: but Mahit doesn't have a cloud hook. She needs Three Seagrass to literally open doors for her.
1: It's true. But in this case, it's possible that because a ticket was purchased, if it has Mahit's picture attached to it.
0: Or that the door opened for Twelve is alien and Mahit came through with him.
1: Yeah, that's, again, but then, plausible. But
0: then why give them physical tickets?
1: Well, yes. <laughs> well, I, they did make purchase of tickets, physical or not.
0: It could be me reading into nothing. but again, Or it
1: could be something that I'm justifying that isn't actually justified.
0: Fair enough. It could be nothing, or it could be everything.
1: So if I'm right, and they're on that train perfectly legitimately, and Three Seagrass is trustworthy, why couldn't the Mists get on the train? Hmm. If the Mists could have gotten on the train, and Three Seagrass was like, no guys, I got this, let's make it look like we've given them the slip, and Three Seagrass is completely untrustworthy, uh, two ends of the spectrum, and I don't know which one is right.
0: Well, and we don't know that Three Seagrass is necessarily in cahoots with the Mists or the Judiciary or Eight Loop.
1: Mm-hmm. But we don't know that she's not either. But we
0: also don't know that she's not. We do, however, get a little more information about information in this chapter. It, mm-hmm. it actually happens before they board the train, but, oh, I mean, yeah. on the train trip is a good little place for us to to talk about it real quickly. Um, and that is that uh, the Information Ministry is a government ministry. It's civilian-run. It is a civilian organization. But it used to be military intelligence. Yes. The problem was that military intelligence was really good at helping the military coup.
1: <laughs> and they went, oh, wait, that's bad.
0: Yeah. And so finally, the government split off military intelligence into uh, a ministry that was directly under the emperor's control. Yes. So that it would be less likely to coup.
1: Coup. Cool. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of overthrowing happening. Maybe maybe let's put a cork in that. You know. Of the empire, etc., cetera, etc., cetera.
0: indeed. So, as they discuss how many drinks over how long a time Three Seagrass is going to be owing 12 Azalea over this whole fiasco, <laughs> uh, the train makes its way through the Ecumenopolis, and we start to get a look at what the city planet looks like when you're not in the opulence of the palace.
1: Yeah, what the rest of the city planet looks like,
0: and it is high density living. Of course it is. Uh, because as they move further and further away from the palace with its tall buildings and its beautiful open vistas and its lovely gardens, things get darker and danker and cramped.
1: Uh, if you'll pardon the pun, it feels like they're going to the wrong side of the tracks.
0: But they very much are. And they even kind of comment on that. Three Seagrass is like visibly uncomfortable being in this area. And Twelve Azalea is kind of like did you think I was going to find an illegal neurosurgeon living down the block? like
1: <laughs> Right? Like, in a very lush suburbia neighborhood?
0: Yeah, like, no. The the kind of work we're looking for, you go to the outskirts, uh, and they end up in uh, a dense, crowded province called Belltown 6. Yes. Uh, so packed that you can't even see the sky where the train gets off, which, weirdly, is comforting to me, Heat.
1: <laughs> yeah, makes her feel like home. A little bit. Did you notice there was a Belltown missing? I did not. I think it goes one, three, four, five, six. I think Belltown Two is missing.
0: Yep, maybe there's no stop in Belltown Two for some reason.
1: Uh, maybe Belltown Two is on the other side of one and then
0: Maybe Belltown Two isn't there anymore.
1: Maybe it's shaped like an L. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that it wasn't one, two, three, four, five. It was one, three.
0: <laughs> well, maybe four one five. and two maybe one and two merged at some point. Could be. We don't know.
1: We don't anyway. know. Maybe
0: there is a story there and we're not privy to it.
1: Weird little detail that I noticed. That's all.
0: The trio get off the train and make their way through the packed hive of Belltown Six to where Five Portico, alias, is living. And uh, <laughs> she is going to be the neurosurgeon who's going to be working on Mahit this evening.
1: Okay, so when you when you read her description mm-hmm. of, of what she looked like, where instead of having uh, where a cloud hook would be, it's actual like bionic implants, mm-hmm. like Cyborg S. Uh, do you think she looks like a Borg or a Terminator?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm I'm picturing a Terminator, but with like a plastic skull, not a metal skull, because you can see through it in places. Oh,
1: like a cross between the two then?
0: Yeah, this is a woman who clearly has done some uh, immoral upgrading to herself, because she, is, she has clearly got cybernetics wired into her head.
1: Oh, yeah, like she can't even hide that.
0: Yeah, and uh, so we can presume that probably her brain has also been augmented, or at least repaired. If, if she if she is uh cybernetic due to injury and not due to mm-hmm. transhumanism.
1: Well that depends. Are are cybernetics. Sorry, in... trans texkalonlitzlim ism <laughs> That's true. Uh, are cybernetics in the same category as neurological enhancement?
0: Well, we Because
1: we're talking about like physical hmm. enhancement.
0: We haven't seen much in the way of cybernetics amongst other text colonlitzlim. True. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't a thing, especially if they've got a huge, vast military. One would presume that there is some manner of, maybe not cybernetic augmentation, but probably prosthesis for soldiers who've been injured on the front. Um, We know that the Sunlit have to be working off of some sort of cybernetics to be wired into the algorithm.
1: Yeah, but again, the difference between cybernetics and enhancements...
0: Well, it, it, it depends on whether you're using cybernetics as prosthetics or cybernetics for enhancement. Right. My assumption is that she's probably enhanced.
1: Probably based on the uh, based on how the conversation ends closer to the end of the chapter. I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think she has enhancements. But again, those those are more to me physical enhancements as opposed to neurological enhancements. She uh, may but... have made herself stronger, but did she make herself smarter? And is there, is there taboo on one and not the other? We
0: don't know that she's necessarily made herself stronger. Her cybernetic enhancements mostly appear to be in her head That's based true. on her description. So
1: let me rephrase then. She's possibly made herself stronger. We don't know if she's made herself smarter. And again, do you think there's an equal taboo on uh, physical enhancements versus mental?
0: We honestly don't know. I think there's maybe an implication, but we honestly don't know. Hmm. They Their focus really seems to be on neurological enhancement. I know. so, and. I mean, this is a woman who is willing to engage in illegal neuro enhancement and is just over the moon at the possibility of being able to handle some neurological cyberware from a planet that is totally down with neurological cyberware. Yeah, from a
1: legitimate professional who's allowed to study these things.
0: My guess is that she's probably been, she or someone who she trusts has been tinkering with her brain would be my assumption. Possibly. So she uh, she gets down to business pretty quickly. Five Portico is here to do work. She is not here to make friends. No, it's And true. she... Enough with the pleasantries. ...quickly interrogates Mahit about what she wants done and what she wants installed without necessarily looking for the details, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. And Mahit kind of explains the situation. She vaguely explains what the Imago is, how it works, and how to install <laughs> it.
1: Look, the one I have in me is broken. This one is not. I need this one. To replace the broken one.
0: Yeah, and she even has to kind of admit that she doesn't know how it's broken. And Yeah, she
1: doesn't know how it's broken, she just knows that it's broken.
0: Yeah, and she gets a, a really terrifying question from Five Portico in, okay, at what point should I abort the operation if it's going south?
1: How close to dead or damaged would you like to be?
0: Yeah, Maybe. and uh, with the obvious implication that she will continue to try to install the cyberware even if it means damaging Mahit in other ways. If Mahit's down with it.
1: Yeah, basically, how important is this?
0: How important is speech for you for the rest of your life?
1: If something goes wrong, how many faculties are you willing to lose to have this installed?
0: Yeah, and Mahit actually realizes, kind of to her own surprise, she's willing to do away with several faculties. Yeah. uh, Because she realizes in in a somewhat patriotic moment that the future of her home might depend on the information that Elder Yaskander... Has in his imago. And that means that she needs to be willing to risk quite a bit of physical impairment. Uh, She doesn't
1: need to walk to do her job.
0: No, basically, yeah. She's like, so long as I have a a reasonable amount of cognitive ability left over, and I'm not dead, do what you need to do. Yeah. (laughs) And... uh, Three Seagrass and Twelve Azalea are both like, ooh.
1: I know, like, ooh.
0: And then then comes the bombshell question, the one that nobody thought of up until this point when Five Portico's like, and how will you be paying for this operation?
1: Right, and then this flash of, oh, of course, she's not going to work for free.
0: Yeah, Mahit's been living in the palace on the largesse of others for days. Yes. Since, basically, she arrived in the city. Three Seagrass and Twelve Azalea are both well well enough to do to get by, but they're not exactly rolling in the Benjamins. Yeah. And
1: also them funding this is probably not a great idea. Well, and
0: probably asking a great deal of them. Probably. Um and so Mahit realizes the only thing she really has to pay with is the cybernetics. Yeah. Is the broken younger Yaskander in her head. And she's like, You can you can take it, it's yours.
1: You can do with it what you want. Assuming that what you want is not to give it to the emperor or science, is that who she says? Basically, yeah. Yeah, just don't give it, just don't give it away to these people. After after that, whatever.
0: Yeah, and uh, she's like sold. Anything else you want while we're doing that? Because that seems like a pretty yeah, sweet like, deal. That is
1: more than more than enough for this.
0: And three seagrass is the one who's most upset by this. That stings. That stings for heat. Yeah, because it's that does. it's a real implication that three seagrass was all aboard with this so long as. Everything was kind of more or less above board, mm-hmm. and now that Mahid is actually making a kind of illegal transaction, now th- that's that's crossed the line for Three Seagrass. Yeah. Even though, interestingly, Twelve Azalea is just like whatevs.
1: Yeah. Well, he doesn't really have a lot of stake in Imago Technology. Three Seagrass kind of does because she's the ambassador's liaison. Yeah. You know? Okay. So. I have a question for you that I haven't really... That I kind of want to talk through. Okay. Because I haven't really been able to answer it myself. Sure. Uh, Just how terrible of an idea is it to hand over Imigo technology, even if it's broken, to uh, Five Portico?
0: I mean, it's probably not a great idea. Five Portico is perhaps a little more trustworthy than most because she's going to be discreet. My concern is that if... Will she, though? By necessity. Because if she widely proliferates the technology it's going to be traced back to her, and she's going to end up probably uh, up on capital crimes.
1: Oh, fair enough. Okay.
0: Um, my question, though, is if... Let's presume that Arkady Martine is going to write more stories set in this universe, possibly with Mahit as a as a character. We don't know for sure. Mahit might be dead by the end of the book. Mm. We don't know. If she leaves behind younger Yaskander and Five Portico manages to fix younger Yaskander... In the future, could someone with the imago of younger Yaskander turn up and cause problems for Mahit, who's got the imago of elder Yaskander, or Mahit's successor, who has an imago of Mahit slash elder Yaskander slash the other previous ambassador? Right. Yeah, that's my my curiosity is that they're leaving another co- copy of Yaskander out there.
1: Yeah, is that going to cause a paradox? And he
0: could co- well not a paradox, but <laughs> complications. Indeed. Because um, back on Elsol Station. The presumption is there's only one copy of anybody's imigo. Yaskander's kind of unique in that he's got two copies of himself out there. The younger Yaskander that was left on the station, now damaged and in Mahit, and the elder version of himself, which was lying dead on a slab in the judiciary for a few weeks. Indeed. So there are two copies of Yaskander.
1: <laughs> yes. That's a- so that leads back to my question. How terrible is it that she's now released like an Imigo Albeit broken, but still, and we go kind of just out into the world.
0: Who knows? Hard to say. I know, right? Hard to say what the... Uh... Like,
1: will the ramifications be minor?
0: Oh, no. Will I'm... Five
1: Portico be like, aha, well, I can't fix this one, but I can replicate it, and then she'll have an empty one.
0: Or worse, one with another copy of Yskander in another it. Another
1: copy of Yskander <laughs> in it. Yskanders everywhere. Just
0: uh, world lousy with Yskanders.
1: Right? So is is this going to start like a weird underground like Imigo line?
0: Maybe? Who knows? Who knows? I, don't know.
1: I can imagine a bunch of scenarios, all of them kind of scary.
0: Uh, it's difficult to say what the consequences of this action will be, especially because the action has not actually happened yet.
1: <laughs> it's true. There has been no action as of yet.
0: The transaction has not yet occurred because the promised Imigo is still in Mahit's brain.
1: I'm allowed to speculate.
0: I know. That's fair. Speculation is wild irresponsible speculation is half of what makes this yeah, podcast great.
1: what we do best uh,
0: but you can perhaps get a leg up on on us at least present us uh, <laughs> by reading up on the next chapter, which would be chapter 16 yes uh, in time for next week and in the meantime uh, there are some other Alberta podcast network podcasts worth checking out. Oh there sure are In the modern world for men, modern society has created a reawakening of the question. What does it mean to be a man? It is not as clear-cut as it once was, and the answers are as varied, infinite, and complex as can be. This is where the podcast, Mar Manhood, comes in. Join me, Herman Vujegas, as we explore how the different views of masculinity shape our daily life. For example, how the way we date, parent, school, and play are affected by the many shapes modern masculinity has its handle on us. This is The Lives of Men, as flawed, authentic, and complex as can be, this is Modern Manhood, a proud podcast of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV.
1: So yeah, feel free to check out Modern Manhood.
0: Yeah, it's a great listen, whether you're a man or not-man.
1: <laughs> Men or otherwise.
0: Uh, it, is, uh, it is definitely worth checking out, and uh, it's a very interesting and informative podcast about just kind of the changing world of manhood oh what
1: about about the changing manscape I'll show myself out
0: all right Uh, well Nita shows herself out you can also begin to show yourself out of our podcast by uh, maybe giving us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. would
1: be appreciated.
0: Indeed. You can also check us out uh, online on the social media.
1: Yes. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. Yeah, we're are, at the, our options.
0: Wherever there is an at, we are at the read along. And if there's not an at, we're probably just the read along.
1: <laughs> just the read along. You can send us an email if you like. We're
0: thereadalong at gmail.com.
1: Scott promises to read it.
0: And I also promise to see you next time.
1: Huma goes everywhere. So many iskanders.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com cover art is by aaron beaver be sure to join us on twitter instagram and facebook at the readalong and check out our group on goodreads.com